Ephesians chapter 6, we're going to start with verse number 10, and we're going to go down through verse number 20. The Bible says, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. Put on the whole armor of God, that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand. Stand, therefore, having your loins girt about with truth, and having on the breastplate of righteousness, and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith you shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. And for me, that utterance may be given, that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in bonds, that therein I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you again for another opportunity to come into your house and to preach your word. Uh, Lord, it's my greatest desire tonight that you would remove uh, me and let your own uh, word and power, Father, to be manifest in our hearts and to do something in us tonight, Father. Uh, Lord, we're a needy people, always in great need of of, uh, spiritual help, Father. I pray that tonight that you would offer that, that you would help us. I pray that you would take your word and I pray that you would... Uh, use it in our lives that we may be able to use it with others as well, Father. In Jesus' name I pray and ask these things. Amen. In Ephesians chapter number 6 and verse number 10 through verse number 20, it's a familiar text that we've all read many times having to deal uh, with the whole armor of God, the Christian armor. And tonight I want to preach on the idea, here comes the battle. Uh, I'm very thankful for the many things that God has given me in, uh, in my life. Uh, Lord knows that I'm thankful for His mercy. Uh, I'm a, I'm a, uh, being flesh and blood, I'm of human nature. I have to deal with sin just like anybody else. I'm thankful for the mercy of God. I'm thankful for the grace of God. I'm thankful that at 13 years old, the Holy Spirit of God convicted me, showed me I was lost, and that He saved me for all of eternity. I'm so thankful for the grace of God. I'm thankful for the blessings of God, for uh, my little boy making racket back there, and my little girl that will be born in a few weeks. I'm thankful for a good church, for church people I love. I'm thankful for... For all the wonderful things that God has given me, it's wonderful to live the Christian life. But I must say that along with the Christian life comes not just joy, happiness, and peace, but there comes from some very serious things that we must face head on that we must be prepared for. Uh, I want to preach tonight on the idea of this battle that we have to deal with. Uh, let's look first at chapter number 6. Let's start with verse number 10. The Bible says, finally, my brethren, be strong in the, in the Lord and in the power of his might. I want to talk first of the duty of the Christian soldier, our obligations. When I was young, I used to go over to Knoxville Baptist Tabernacle, and there was a bookstore there. And in the bookstore, there was a magazine. And I have no idea to this day what the, uh, what the magazine had to do with or, or what it was or the publication or anything like that. All I remember is there was three cartoon pictures. There was one of a little, uh, little boy, not much bigger than my son. And then there was one of a teenager 
And then there was one of a grown man, and that grown man was wearing full armor, everything that he had on. And I remember looking at that when I was young and thinking, that's the kind of Christian that I want to be. You know, that's the kind of Christian that the Bible tells us that we ought to be. I think that we must be honest with ourselves and look at the reality that we are in right now to see that there is a great battle in Christianity going on, both in our, uh, in our city, in our state, in our country, and in this world. We have churches closing every single day. Every single day. Marriages torn apart every single day. Uh, we have fathers leaving the home every day. Mothers leaving the home every day. A young person that contracts a disease uh, or that starts uh, an addiction to alcohol or to drugs or that moves in with a boyfriend or a girlfriend every single day. And great battles are, are, uh, are being faced day by day by Christian people here in America. And unfortunately, oftentimes they're losing. I wish that wasn't the case, but it is the case. It's what we're living in right now. The Bible says that we must be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. You know, I'm thankful that the Bible doesn't tell us that we must be strong on our own. Or be strong, said the Lord. But it says to be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. You know, I think back and... and uh, let me just be uh, straightforward and transparent with you. There's battles that I have to face, and just like all of you have to face it. Uh, but I can think back, and there's battles that I faced in the past that I've gained victory over. And I know that there's going to be battles in the future that I'll need to gain victory over, but every victory that I have ever had and will ever have has not been through my own might or my own power or my own ability, but it's been through the power of the Lord Jesus Christ. The Bible says we must be strong. That has to deal with our personal relationship that we have with the Lord. Uh, I'm so thankful to be able to come to church uh, three days a week and then some sometimes. I'm glad that our country that we live in, even though it's turned its back on God, we still right now have the freedom and the liberty uh, to be able to come into this church on a Wednesday evening uh, and worship uh, the Lord. But I must say um, that it goes much further than that. Uh, I may have said this before, I don't know uh, if I have, but they used to say that uh, the, the grandparents, they had uh, convictions, uh, and then the, the parents, they had uh, opinions, and now the young people, they don't have anything. Uh, the, if you look in times past, you can see that when our, our own families, our, our own country was closer to the Lord, and it didn't have anything to do differently with the Lord, because He's the same yesterday, today forever. He's not changing. What's changed? We've changed. We don't have the same relationship with the Lord that we ought to have. And I must say that oftentimes I'm tempted, and I know that you are as well, because you're of the same flesh and bone. Sometimes I'm tempted to pat myself on the back and say, well, good job. You're involved in your church. You're faithful to your church. And if you look at uh, the fellow down the street, you're doing more than him. But can I say, the Lord's not looking at the fellow down the street when he looks at our relationship. The Lord is looking at His Word and comparing us to His Word. Not to other people, but to what His Word says and how we ought to be in our own personal relationship. If we're going to face this battle, we have to have the relationship that the Lord wants us to have. It must be a relationship that's strong in the Lord and it must be strong in the power of His might. So, it tells us to be prepared. But be prepared for what? Well, one, I think we must know the enemy. Uh, you know, Satan, uh, he's a smart fella. You know that? He's got me many a times. Uh, you know, Satan can't make you sin, but he can tempt you pretty well with it. 
You know, it's like uh, sometimes I like to go fishing, and it seems like I, I usually uh, sit on the water uh, with a line with nothing on it uh, the biggest part of the day more than I do with something on it. Uh, but what I like to do is I like to go out there with my rod and, and reel, and I cast the line out, and what do I have on the end of it? A little lure. And I'll try to wiggle that around out in front of that fish, and it attracts that fish. That It's something that that fish likes. It's something that that fish pays attention to. And if I get it close enough and that fish lets its guard down, I've got him. That's the same way that Satan is with us. And we must be aware that the battle is ongoing and that it is continual and that it never does stop. You know, you can look back and you may say, hey, I've, I've gained a great victory over this or over that. And praise the Lord for it. But there's going to be more battles. If, you, if you're just coming out of a battle, be ready because you're about to go back into a new one, if not the same one again. So we must be prepared. We must know our obligations. We must know the enemy, but we also have to know the purpose. Look at verse 13. The Bible says, Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that ye may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all to stand. The problem that's going on right now in America is that we don't have good, godly Christian people willing to take a stand. We have lots of people that want to talk about the love of God, and I'm thankful for the love of God. We have a lot of people that want to talk about their different ministries of their church, uh, that want to talk about the things that are offered for the young people. But let me tell you, church has become much more of a social club than it has the house of God, a place to go and to worship God. The purpose that the Lord is telling us in Ephesians chapter 6 is that we must be prepared for this battle because it says that we will have to withstand in the evil day, having done all to stand. If we don't do all to stand, then we won't stand at all. If we don't take every effort necessary to be able to stand against the sin that can bring us down and that can destroy us, where's the hope? Think about this. All the people that are in broken marriages, I don't think that they said their vows uh, with the intent or desire that their marriage would be broken and failing one day. All the people that are uh, hooked on drugs and hooked on alcohol, uh, they never said that that's what they wanted out of their life. Uh, all the, the young people, uh, and this is one that, that uh, hits closer to home with me just because of all the young people that I have worked with in times past, but all the young people, young girls that end up pregnant, end up with diseases. I mean, that's the reality of it. I understand this is church. That's reality, though. We've got, we've got a, I heard just on the news the other day that heroin is picking up, again, real bad just in the last five years, uh, that they can't make the same that they used to off of marijuana. Uh, so now they've started pushing heroin again in the U.S., and it's becoming an epidemic again. Uh, if you're having to take a drug that is an IV drug, you're also going to have HIV as an epidemic pickup again. You see, sin, uh, it gets into the lives, and it corrupts, and it destroys. And so oftentimes we treat sin uh, as if it's something that's just, to smack on the hand, and we, we treat it as if, well, I'm a child of God. God will forgive me. But what does the Bible say? Should we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. We must be prepared, and we must know the purpose. Number two, we know what the, the duty, the responsibility of Christ's soldier is, but also let's get into the armor of Christ's soldier. Look at verse number uh, 14, the Bible says, Stand therefore, having your loins girt about with truth. 
having your loins girt about with truth. Now, uh, whenever you go through this, this armor here, you can see that it's not a picture of our modern-day armor, obviously, but it's more a picture of the Roman armor of that time. Uh, and the, the girdle piece around the loin area, uh, that was the, the, the belt piece, the girdle piece that held all of the armor together. You see, you couldn't have any of it that would stay on you and stay tight and snug without that piece around you. Now, I don't know about you, but if I'm going to war, I don't want uh, all my armor just slinging around all over the place. I want to be put together. I want to be ready. Uh, and uh, it says that the, the loins must be uh, girt about with truth. What I want us to take from this is this. First of all, obviously, we, we must be truthful, but we must be truthful with ourselves of this reality uh, of the battle that's going on around us every single day. You know, and, and hopefully this will kick a little something in you like it does me sometimes. You know, if Satan could, think of all the things you have right now. If Satan could, he would take them from you. Now, I'm talking about your children. I'm talking about your spouse. I'm talking about your home. I'm talking about your job. I'm talking about anything that brings you joy that you might glorify God for. If Satan could, he would snatch it away from you. And it's only the grace of God that those things don't happen to us. But we should not take for granted that the Lord loves us so much that He's merciful to us and allows us to have these things. But we must always be thankful, but always face the truth that it could at any moment be taken away from us. Is anybody here greater than these men and women of the Bible that we read about? I know that I'm not. And think about the great sin that they committed. Think, uh, can I be honest with you just a second? My, one of my greatest fears in life is failing in some area. Uh, failing as a husband, failing as a father, failing as a preacher, even a song leader. Failure is something that I struggle with and that terrifies me, and I have to ask the Lord to help me with all the time. But do you know why it is such a struggle for me? Because I know that it can really happen. And, and it can really happen to each and every one of you as well. Now, I'm not trying to kick you and throw you down, but I'm trying to get it across to you to understand that the only thing holding you up right now is the power of the Lord Jesus Christ. And if we're not fully protected and ready and aware at all times, we could fall prey to Satan. We have to be set on the truth of Jesus Christ, having our loins girt about with truth. The next thing it says, it says, "...have on the breastplate of righteousness." The breastplate of righteousness. Now, the breastplate was the piece that went over uh, the chest area, the abdomen, and, and oftentimes the back. It would drape over, come together, be held together with the girdle piece. Um, this was the most visible piece of worn armor on the, bo on the body. It was the largest piece on the body that covered the, the chest area and the back area. And, you know, this is true even in all our own Christian lives. Of our own righteousness is visible to other people. Now, I don't know about you, but I've got family members, and so oftentimes we say it, uh, they're lost, they're lost, they're lost, they're lost. If they die right now, they'll die and go to hell forever. If I don't do something about it, if I don't get it said in my heart that just saying they're lost over and over, it just becomes a term to me of they're lost, they're lost, until it gets through to my heart and I understand that they'll be damned forever in an eternal hell, that they'll never see, uh, they'll never see me, they'll never see any other family members, they'll never see the love of God, they'll be separated from anyone and everything forever and all of eternity in total darkness. Until I get that set in my heart, I can't go out and show other people uh, the love of the Lord. You know, why don't we have, I, I know I say this a lot, and, and I'll, 
The reason that I talk about these pews being empty a lot of times when I get up here is because it bothers me. Uh, it's not because it's anything y'all have done or I have done, but it's because that it bothers me that we have church people that sit here on Sunday morning and they're not here on Sunday night or Wednesday night. Uh, the, the truth of it, the, the problem that it comes down to is that we are not making the effort that we ought to be making with the lost and dying world. Yeah, I, let me be honest with you. I got up this morning, went to work, and I bet you I ran into today, I can think of at least two people that I've never seen before that I could have talked to about the Lord, and I didn't. And I know that if you were honest with yourself, you could think of the people that you ran into today that you could have talked to about the Lord, and you didn't. How do we expect people to come to know the salvation of the Lord if we don't tell them? I mean, really, praise the Lord for the people that walk through the door and get saved. I mean, that, that's a wonderful, wonderful thing. But the Bible doesn't say that we're supposed to just hope they walk through the back door. The Bible says we're supposed to go out and compel them to come in. We ought to go out with the Word of God and share it with others. This breastplate of righteousness, it was visible for others to see. Now, righteousness uh, in this term is living with uh, justly and with equity. Uh, living justly is, of course, being just, separating right from wrong, truth from evil. You know, there's so many people right now in our, uh, in our country um, that have an issue with what is right and what is wrong. You know, I was reading something recently um, about the Constitution, and it was said by one of the, one of the signers that the Constitution will only uh, be upheld to the way that it was originally written, if morality goes hand in hand with it. But th that's what's been stripped away. People are saying, well, I know what's moral. What's moral is what I'm okay with. That's, that's what our culture has decided. And, of course, that has, stripped away, uh, that has stripped away any understanding of what is right and what is wrong. But to live righteously, we must separate between right and wrong. Now, people, they, they kind of look at me maybe a little bit crazy uh, whenever I say I have a problem with homosexuality or uh, whenever I have a problem with evolution uh, because that is what's commonly accepted. But it's not what God commonly accepts, and I still don't accept it. I still separate that from the things of God. That's still not truth, and it's still not right. Now, also walking in equity, walking upright and stable and standing firm. You know, uh, maybe this is more on the men. As a matter of fact, I personally believe that it is more on the men. If, if you disagree with me, that's okay. But I believe that it is uh, the result of our uh, Christian men of the last few generations that have not stood firm as they stood uh, in times past while we're in the situation that we're in right now. Um, you know, used to, you read of preachers back in the day, boy, they didn't put up with anything. I mean, they, they didn't let anything slide. They didn't let anything get by. Uh, if it was something that was going to harm the church or the church people, uh, they let them know real quick. And they either got it straight or they got out. And that's how it was. And that's how they kept the church uh, from being turned over to sin. But now you look at the churches that are around us, uh, and nobody's standing firm. They can't stand firm on what version of the Bible to use. Uh, they can't stand firm on whether it's okay to drink alcohol or not. They can't stand firm on whether women can dress like men and Men can dress like women. They just can't seem to get it straight. Uh, it's probably because they're not reading their Bible. Uh, but if we're to live righteously and to follow the Lord, we must walk justly and with equity, walking upright and standing firm. 
Now look at verse 15. The Bible says, having your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Now I like this one. I hit on it just a second ago. But having our feet shod, that word shod is talking about having it buckled or, or um, bound in some way to us. Having our feet ready to get up and to move and give the gospel of peace. You know, there's many different, uh, many different doctrines that are out there. Uh, but can I say, out of all the things that people want to believe in right now, Hinduism and Buddhism and Islam and all those things, I'm thankful that I know the gospel of peace. In a world that is, is uh, wretched and that's dying and going to hell, I'm thankful that I know the living God, the true God, the risen Savior, and I know above all things, no matter what happens to me in this life, that when I take my last breath, I will enter into eternal peace with the Lord Jesus Christ. We ought to be able to share that with the world. Uh, you know, just like the Lord hasn't changed, the gospel hasn't changed. And we get this idea that, well, you can't just tell people Bible verses anymore because they just don't want to hear it. It's not true. People are still looking for answers and people are still desiring to find some kind of peace in their life. They don't know what it is. It's our job to give it to them. To share that with them. But let me also say, dealing with the feet, that we must walk separated from the world. Different from the world. Uh, one of the biggest things that Rachel and I are talking about uh, recently with, our, with Levi and also Adelaide on the way is what we're going to do for school. Um, I have, I'll be honest with you, and, and again, you can disagree with me if you want to. Um, I'm not opposed to different forms of education because I believe ultimately it's up to the parents to educate the children. Um, but that does not mean that I'm against uh, uh, homeschooling or private school or public school or any of those things. I know kids that have gone to every single one of them, and I know kids out of every single one of them that have been wonderful, godly people, and then people that have turned their life over to sin. But with that being said, I want my son, not now I'm not just talking about education, but I want my son for him to know the difference between right and wrong, and know that it matters for him to not look like the rest of the world. Hey, it might get y'all tickled, but when I was 18, 19 years old, all I cared about was my long hair and my electric guitar. That's all I cared about, and traveling around and playing in bars and this and that. I was giving my life to the Lord, or uh, to, to the devil. I was saved, but I was living for myself, which is living for the devil. And uh, I found out after, after a little while that... Uh, you know, the life to live was the, the life to live for the Lord and to give those things uh, over and give my talents over to the Lord and my abilities over to the Lord. But we're not going to reach a lost and dying world if we live like them. We'll reach them if we show them through our testimony that there's a better life to be lived. So we must walk with our feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. It says, above all, taking the shield of faith wherewith you shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. Now it says, above all, taking the shield of faith. Now, this shield was not just one, uh, something small like this, but we're talking about shields that were about four feet tall by about two feet wide. They were very large, they were very heavy, and they protected the person that was carrying them. The Bible tells us, above all, to take this, the shield of faith. This was a defensive weapon. In, in, in warfare. This was something that as those fiery darts came, they were able to use that shield and hold their ground. Now, think about it like this. Our Christian walk 
has a start point when we accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, and it has an end point, whether it be us dying or whether it be the Lord coming back. And as we make each step forward, we have to encounter these battles that we have. And when we use that shield of faith, that allows us to stay put, to not go back or retreat, but to stand our ground, to hold up our shield of faith, and to stand firm where we are right then and there. It's a defensive weapon that uh, protects us from the fiery darts of the devil. I want to go into that a little bit further here in just a second. But think about this. It says the fiery darts will be quenched or they'll be put out. Now, I don't know about you, but I've been hit with some fiery darts before and they don't feel good. Uh, it hurts when Satan uh, takes hold in your life, when we let him get into our life. You know, all you got to do is just open the door of your heart just an inch. He'll bust it wide open. He'll come in. If you, if you give him the smallest bit, he'll walk right through the door. And it says that these, ver uh, that these uh, arrows can be quenched or they can be put out by the shield of faith. Now, moving forward, I'm going to come back to that. The helmet of salvation. It says, take the helmet of salvation, the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. The helmet of salvation, protecting, protecting our minds and protecting our thoughts. Uh, I'm, I'm thankful to say that I'm born again. I know I said that when I got started, but hey, I don't guess I can say it enough. Uh, praise the Lord, I've been saved. If something happens to me on my way home tonight, y'all don't worry about me. I'm with the Lord. Um, I'm, I'm thankful to be saved, and I'm thankful to know that when I face battles and when Satan tries to tempt me and when Satan tries to use things against me in my life, that I can look back and I can remember the day of my salvation. I can remember the love that God gave me, the grace that God gave me, and know that he's going to help me walk through this as well. That he's going to protect me and that he's going to watch over me. It says, the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. I love this one and everybody loves this one. Uh, the Word of God, the sword of the Spirit. Now, remember our shield. That was the, uh, the shield of faith. It was the defensive one that helps us keep our ground. But the, st the sword is the offensive weapon. It's the one that helps you make ground to move forward to the end. In this Christian life that we live and the battles that we face, if we lay down that shield of faith and we say, Oh, Lord, I doubt you, or Oh, Lord, I don't trust you on this one, or, or I, I just give up on this one, I'm not going to follow through with what I know I should do, and we lay down our shield of faith, we get pushed back and pushed back and pushed back and pushed down and discouraged, and we find ourselves miserable and in a terrible uh, shape. But when we keep our shield up, our shield of faith, and we defend ourselves, as soon as the, the millisecond comes that we can move it, we can move forward with the sword, with the Word of God. We can be reminded of the love of God and the strength of our Lord Jesus Christ. I'm going to put my trust in a, in a Savior uh, that defeated death and defeated hell. If He can defeat death and hell, if He can save me, knowing what I still would be after that, I'm going to trust Him in even the, th the small battles that I encounter in my life. The Word of God is what helps us move forward. In, in the armor that we wear, we have our defense, but the Word of God is what helps us actually make the ground and to actually move forward. Now, without this armor, without one piece of the armor, we'll, we are vulnerable. Obviously, if we don't have the helmet of salvation... Our head's exposed, our brain. If we don't have the breastplate of righteousness, our vital organs are exposed. Uh, if our feet are not shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace, uh, I don't know many people that can get around easy uh, without feet. We have to have our armor, I have to have all of the armor. So the last point here is this, fighting the battle 
What is it? What happens when we actually get to the point that we're fighting the battle? Look at verse 18. The Bible says, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. Now, what a great resource we have of prayer. Uh, so oftentimes the Lord deals with me that I need to work more on my prayer life. Y'all must think I'm a terrible Christian. I just get up here and just really talk about... No, I, I know we're all in the same boat together. Prayer is a struggle. And I know that uh, oftentimes I'll think, man, the things that I know the Lord would answer if I put more time to get alone with God and pray for them. It, uh, let's think for a second. Think about the longest that you prayed this week, that you spent in prayer. Maybe it was for five minutes. Maybe it was for five hours. I don't know. But just think about that. You know, there used to be some men, I believe Lester Roloff was one of them and, and a few other uh, men of God, that used to, on New Year's Day, take their Bible and they would get down on their knees and they would set it up and they would read from Genesis to Revelation, every single bit of it, over the couple first days of the new year. And during that, they would pray and ask God to use their life and to give them power. That's why we don't have power, because we don't spend time in prayer like that. God's still able, and He's still willing, and He still wants to uh, give us that so we can see souls saved and lives changed, but we don't put in the effort to do that. But we must pray with prayer and supplication in the Spirit without ceasing, and we must have a personal time of prayer. You know something I'll encourage you, and maybe you do this, and if you do, that's wonderful, but I'll tell you, one of the best things that a married couple can do is pray with their spouse. Spend time in prayer with their spouse. Uh, when Rachel and I found out that she was pregnant with Levi, it seemed like we just prayed all the time asking the Lord, give us a healthy baby and help us. And hey, that looks like an answered prayer over there, a good healthy baby. He's got, obviously, he's got the healthiest vocal cords I've ever seen. Uh, but the Lord, He still answers prayer. He still helps us with these things. We ought to pray together, but also it says watch with perseverance and supplication for all saints. Hey, we're fellow soldiers in this together. Uh, I, I'm thankful for the good Christian men and good Christian women that make a big effect in my, my life. And even though you don't know it, it matters to me each time each one of you come up and shake my hand and say something to me. That, that helps me. That makes me know that even if all else fails outside of these walls, that I've got people in here that love me, and people in here that care about me, and people in here that pray for me. We ought to remember each other, and we ought to pray for each other. But I even say this and go a little bit further, and we don't see this very often, but we do sometimes. If you see somebody that's starting to stray off in some direction, maybe get in, maybe they're starting to read after somebody they shouldn't, or uh, maybe that they're um, letting something into their life that could harm them. I see that a lot with young people. We ought to be able and willing and love them enough to go to them in love and privately and talk to them and encourage them. I, we all agreed a few minutes ago, none of us are above sin. And if we know that we are involved or somebody is involved in sin, we ought to try to help them with that. Help them to remove that from their, from their life. But I'll also say another, another key to fighting this battle is to speak boldly of the gospel. I don't know why I keep coming back to that. Maybe the Lord just wants me to keep hammering on it. But I'll tell you, soul winning is what makes the difference in church growth. It's what makes the difference in seeing, uh, seeing the Lord do great things in churches. And I'm not just talking about building ministries or church numbers, but I'm talking about these family members that we want to see saved. Uh, the more that we have a, a thriving, growing uh, church, the more that people are going to pay attention to that. People are going to come by. People are going to visit. More people will be saved. Uh, I think a good practice for us to try to do in our lives is to try to make an effort for at least one or two people a week to invite to church. 
I mean, think about it. I don't know how many of us there are here, probably 25 or 30. But if each one of us invited two people to church a week, we're bound to have ten come. I mean, surely we'd have five to ten people come. And out of that, over a year's time, we might have ten or twenty people stay. We might have some people saved. Who knows? I mean, we ought to be able to speak boldly the gospel and to take it out there and, and encourage people. Look at verse 19. Uh, the Bible says, And for me that utterance may be made, that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel. Verse 20 says, For which I am an ambassador in bonds, that therein I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. Speak boldly as I ought to speak. You know, I think one of the great battles that people are facing, especially our young people right now, uh, is having to fight against the things that they encounter at their schools and from their friends of what they can and cannot say and should and should not do. Uh, I've got a very close friend of mine that I work with who's got a son that goes to um, Anderson County Public Schools. I believe he was going to Union County when this happened, though. Um, but he was going out and he had gospel tracts and he was handing them out uh, left and right to people before school. I mean, he's he's a good Christian guy. He loves the Lord. He's young, 13 or 14, but that's great. He's handing out gospel tracts, trying to get people to come to church and to, and to be safe. And a teacher came up to him and she said, you can't do that. And he said, uh, he said, oh, yes, I can. And she said, who gave you the authority to hand those out? And he said, well, the Lord did. And he's, he's, she said, I want you to give them to me right now. And he said, I'll give you one. And, of course, she took them on. He got in a little bit of trouble. But that is a real attack that's coming on our young people right now. As much time as, as we spend on Wednesday nights and Brother Brandon and Miss Melissa spend with them on Sunday mornings to encourage them to take the gospel and to lead either, others to Christ, there's a world working against even our youngest ones, even our most innocent ones, that's working against them, that's trying to discourage them and hurt them, even now, from glorifying the Lord. But even they, they can speak boldly, and we ought to encourage them for that. Stand up for the Lord that died for us. So I'll close with this thought. Not that one. <laughs> We're facing battles in our lives. We know that. And maybe you're going through one right now. But if you are going through one right now, I encourage you to look and see if you're wearing all parts of your armor that the Lord's told us about. The Bible is clear here that if we're wearing the armor that we should be wearing, then there's no harm that can come to us. We are fully protected with that through the power of the Lord. And if you're not facing a battle, I encourage you to not to be prepared because you know and I know that there's one coming. Uh, it may be very small and over in a flash, or it may be the biggest thing you have ever faced in your entire life. But we have a faithful God that loves us. We have, we have a God that knows the things that we have to deal with. He knows our feelings. He knows the difficulties that we face. And He's willing to help us through them.